translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh is Lord. Spirit of Jesus, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Living within us, pronounced Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, Yahweh. A name often considered too sacred to speak, never to fail or forsake. Each person's life is but breath, unending promise. God's divine breath flows through you and those around you. Heaven inside us. When you breathe, you let God in. Whispers the sound of your name. Jesus called out with a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Holy is the Lord, the breath of life inside us. Yahweh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord.
of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of all those who believe is to come, is the one who lives in us, the great Calvary, that we may live, because in you we live, move, and have our very being. Without you, we are nothing, O Lord. So we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We thank you for another Sabbath day to come in your presence, O Lord. We thank you, Father, that you watched over us as we slumbered and slept. We thank you that you make provisions for us daily, O Lord. 
that we lack nothing. Father, you are a father that can be trusted. You are a father that when you say you love us, you truly mean it. And you demonstrated it when you became flesh and dwelt among your people. When you came down as man and you experienced everything that men experience. And not only that, Lord, you loved us so much that you gave your life willingly. Let your will be done in each of the hearer's life. Let your kingdom come and reside within our hearts. Help us to understand today, Father, that you are king. You are king of the universe. You are king of all living things. You are Lord and Master. Penetrate our hearts today, O Lord, by thy word and by thy truth. For thy word is truth. Cleanse us by thy word. For Jesus said you are clean by the word. Sanctify us, O Lord, in your presence. And if we have sinned against you today, throughout this week, O Father, Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we have any ought or unforgiveness or grievance against anyone, O oh Father, we release them now in forgiveness and in love, O oh Lord. And we pray for our enemies near and far. Father, that you will send forth your Holy Spirit and convict them of their sin, that they may turn to you and have life in you, that they may come to know you, the true and living God. We thank you, Yahweh. We thank you, Father. So I cover this line and I cover the listeners in the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach. I bind up every distracting spirit right now in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. And I loose the spirit of grace. I loose the spirit of understanding. I loose the spirit of wisdom upon myself and the listeners in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come to teach us what thus saith the Lord. With glory to God, glory to God. Welcome back, welcome back once again to GICTC, home of the warriors. And we have been doing a series called Path of the Cross. Today we're going to step into, our lesson today is going to be called Adam Before and After the Fall. It is so important that we have a clear understanding of what Christ has done for us on Calvary. We have to understand that he came to correct 
what Adam failed to do, and that was to be obedient to the command of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua. Glory to God. Glory to God. If uh, you guys went to the website of the link that I sent you, you would have found that, that particular study on that website called Adam Before and Adam uh, and After the Fall. And this is a study by Pastor A.W. Wickerman. And as I began to read this study, more understanding came to me why Christ came. Glory to God. I pray that you guys had read Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. When the King of Glory returns for his church and he comes back with vengeance to clean the earth, believe it or not, in Revelations, we're going to return back to the Garden of Eden. He's going to restore what was lost in Eden. Glory to God. He's beginning all over again. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And I encourage you to highlight the scriptures that are given. Uh, put notes on them. Take notes. Glory to God. Go to the view. Uh, take notes. Good morning, Latasha. And take notes. That's First John chapter one verse five. God clothes Himself in a garment of light. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who covereth thyself with light as with a garment. That sums 104, verses 1 through 2. And also in Revelations chapter 1, verse 12 and 16, it mentions God in light. Therefore, it is reasonable to assume that Adam, prior to the fall, being made in the image and likeness of God, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If you would, let us go there right now. That's uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Glory to God. And can we, can someone read that scripture? I'm going to get you guys to participate today, to get involved today. Can someone read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27? God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image. After our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts, 
and over all the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. This is out of the Amplified also, by the way. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right. Thank you, Stefan. Glory to God. It said God created man in his image and his likeness. So must, we must also have been clothed in his light. If he has created us in his image and his likeness, Adam was also clothed in his light. Let's look up for a minute. Let's look up uh, um, some understanding of 1 John 1, 5 when it talks about the light. God triune being three in one or triune God, a group, a group consisting of three closely related members or the three God personality of one divine being. In John chapter 8, if you guys would um, skip on over to John chapter 8. Uh, verse 12. Can I get someone to read verse 12? John chapter 8, verse 12. And, and again. Some... Okay, go ahead. And again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall by no means walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. Jesus said he is the light of the world. Have you ever often uh, got up early in the morning, and if you notice that it's already light outside before the sun rises, when God created the, the earth, the heavens and the earth, if you notice, if you read Genesis carefully in chapter 1, the sun and the moon did not come until about chapter, uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 3, somewhere in that area. But there, were, there was always light. God said, let there be light. So Jesus is the light of the world. Can someone, uh, we're still in the book of John, can someone read John chapter 9 and verse 5? John chapter 9 verse 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 9, verse 5. Amen. He said, while I am in the world, he is the light of the world. God is light. Thank you. Jesus is the light of the world. The nature of God. What is the nature of God? God is light. God is love. God is spirit. One, light denotes the nature of God's expression. Two, love denotes the nature of God's essence. Three, spirit denotes the nature of God's person. Both love and light are related to God's life, which is of the Spirit. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 2 reads, For the law of the spirit of life, God is light, he is love, and he is spirit. Now in Daniel chapter 12 verses 2 and 3, and it reads out the Amplified Bible, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, resurrected. These to everlasting life, but some to disgrace and everlasting contempt, abhorrence. Those who are spiritually wise will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who led many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Here, Daniel is speaking of the final resurrection. We learn that the saints of God in their resurrected body, which says, shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. God's image restored. Let's look at Matthew's chapter 17, verse 2. Uh, can someone read that one and someone uh, go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, I mean 43, and someone else get First John chapter 3 and verse 2. We're talking about God as light, how he's getting ready to restore what was lost in the beginning. Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as the light. Amen. Talking about Jesus when he went up to the mountain of configuration. I'm going to read that out, the Amplified. Thank you, Zoe. And his appearance changed dramatically in their presence. And his face shone with heavenly glory, clear and bright, like the sun, and his clothing became as white as light. Peter and John had the opportunity and the privilege, the honor, to see Christ as he truly was. He was the light. He manifested his true, his trueness before them. And the word of God said that then Peter began to speak and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good and delightful for us to be here, to see this? Christ was revealing to them his true, who he truly was. He was the light of the world. Matthew chapter 13, verse 43. Um, it says, then God's people will shine like the sun on their Father's kingdom. Listen then if you have ears. Glory to God. Let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We are the church. If we can understand that, that we are the church. Glory to God. I'm going to read that out the Amplified. Thank you, Latasha. Latasha. 
Then the righteous, those who seek the will of God, will shine forth, radiating the new life, like the sun in the kingdom of their father, who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my word. Last scripture, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. First John chapter 3 and verse 2. Okay, I'll read it. And I'm going to read this out the Amplified. Beloved, we are even here and now children of God, and it is not yet made clear what we will be after his coming. We know that when he comes and is revealed, we will, as his children, be like him, because we will see him just as he is, in all his glory. Prior to the fall, Adam is referred to as the Son of God. For in Luke chapter 3 and verse 38, it reads out the Amplified, Then the son of Enoch, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the Son of God. Living in a state of innocence, enjoying intimate fellowship with God, according to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, it said that Adam, that God would come to visit Adam and Eve and walk with them. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 of the Amplified, it said, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of that day. So the man and his wife hid themselves, hidden from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. He had dominion over all God's creation. God gave Adam dominion over all his creation. According to Psalms chapter 8, Verse 5 and 6, which read, Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Adam was in union with God through the faultiness of the faculties of his spirit, which enabled him to commune with his creator. When we were born, glory to God, our spirits were dead to God. But when we believed into Jesus Christ and received him as Lord, Savior, and King, we were born again with a spirit that could commune with God. The light of the Holy Spirit was passing through Adam's spirit unimpended, reaching to and to his soul and influencing his mind and will, directing his body. Before the fall, Adam was in harmony with his creator. And this is what God is trying to bring us back to, where we will be in harmony with our creator. 
His heart and mind were enlightened by the power of God. Hallelujah. When it says that Adam was made in his image and his, the likeness of God, he also had the mind of God. And if you recall by reading out of Genesis chapter 2, that Adam, God, said, let's see what Adam would call the animals. According to science, only half of our brain we use. Only one half of our brain that we use. Adam had the full capacity of his brain. He named each and every animal. He saw them and he named them. So he had an enlightened mind by the power of God. This is not to say that Adam was a robot controlled by God, but a spiritually minded being with free will, to whom all things were possible. There was only one limitation placed upon Adam. God wants to bring mankind back to being a spiritually minded being. He wants to bring us back into fellowship with him. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 and 17. I want to read that out of the Amplified Bible. It says in the Amplified Bible, and the, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely, unconditionally, eat the fruit from every tree of the garden, but only from the tree of the knowledge of recognition of good and evil you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day that you eat from it, you shall most cert certainly die because of your disobedience. Notice it says, in that day, thou shalt surely die. Adam and Eve didn't die physically at that moment. They died a spiritual death. The glory of God was removed. That part of man that was able to commune with the Lord was removed. Notice in that day thou shalt surely die, the Lord said. At that moment in time, that part of Adam that communed with the Lord was removed. Adam's condition after the fall. Now let's learn about Adam's condition after the fall. When Adam and Eve exercised their God-given free will to disobey, a critical change occurred. A split second after the creature, the creature chose to defy his creator, an inward fatality occurred. A inward fatality occurred. Adam and Eve's spiritual union with God, with God was the first casualty of their disobedience. 
The departure of the Holy Spirit from their spirit rendered them spiritually dead. As you remember, it said that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the one that gives life to our spirit. So when Adam disobeyed the Lord's command, the Spirit of God departed. He became spiritually dead, separated from God. And that's why whenever we commit sin, that separates our relationship with God. Glory to God. And we, in order to bring that relationship back, we have to come before the presence of God and repent. He said, confess your sin. Just don't say, I'm sorry. Lord, I committed, I committed, I stole something, Father, and you said that we should not steal. We must confess our sin. Confess it. God has promised in 1 John 1 and 9 that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our relationship with God is restored. This does not infer that man's individual spirit died at that time. Upon the departure of the Holy Spirit, the garment of light loses its source. Remember that Adam was clothed in the garment of light. The first illustration you have, if you went to the site and got the, uh, the web page, you would see the illustrations that he has. Adam and Eve immediately became aware of their darkness. Adam and Eve immediately became aware of their darkness, for in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it reads, Then the eyes of the two of them were opened. Their eyes were opened. If you recall that they were unaware that they were naked, because the glory of God covered that. They saw that they were naked. That is, their awareness increased, and they knew that they were naked, and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. That was the very first garment that was made after the fall, after their sin. They tried to cover themselves. When we sin, we try to cover ourselves. We try to make excuses. We try to justify our sin. We try to cover it. But God see through all that. Lost in the image and likeness of God in the sense that it is, it is now marred and disfigured by sin. Like a beautiful bird without its feathers. Also notice the soul is now joined to the body as depicted by the second illustration below. If you all have this second, if you all, like I said, if you all went to the sighting and, and went to that particular lesson, you would see that the soul now is joined to the flesh where sin abides. Sin broke the bond between Adam and his creator. 
Adam is now a carnal being, a natural man. Can somebody get 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Can someone else get Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 and 20? And I'll read Romans chapter 8. But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him, and he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them, because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. A little confused about the last part. And then it was Colossians, what chapter? Hello? I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 and verse 21. Just hold a minute. Hold a minute, Zoe. Let me read that again. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, but the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations, of the Spirit of God. Did you not know that you could receive Christ as Lord and Savior and still be unbelieving? He says the natural man, the unbelieving man, does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd, and illogical to him and he is incapable of understanding them this is why we need the Holy Spirit because they are spiritually discerned and 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 they are spiritually discerned we cannot think with our natural mind when it comes to reading the Word of God because it's a spiritual book And in order to understand God's oracle, you must have the Spirit of God that gives you understanding, that teaches you. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Glory to God. I remember as a young adult, as a teenager, yes, I used to go to church. I used to read my my Bible a lot had no understanding. But when I when Christ Christ found me glory to God. I'll never forget it, a young lady. I was in Cook County Jail, terrified. Young lady came to me and she said, I know a man that can help you. 
And when you're in a desperate state, you you'll receive all the help that you can want to can receive. And I said, oh, you you know someone that can help me? She handed me a Bible. She told me to read St. John, the Gospel of John. Being obedient, I began to read the Gospel of John. And as I was reading the Gospel of John, I kid you not, it was like I was in a movie. Mind you, I read the Word. I was raised uh, in the Word. We'd, we'd go to see Miss Daniel, and she taught me how to pray. We learned about the Ten Commandments in school. We learned about all those things. But it had no meaning. When I began to read the book of John, it became like I was in a movie. I was there and I seen everything that went on, heard the Lord's teachings among the apostles, the followers, the disciples. I experienced it for real. You all may not believe me, but I did. My heart was pricked when I saw my Lord and Savior being crucified. And it, it didn't matter how good I was or I thought I was. I wasn't in jail because of anything wrong that I did. Glory to God. You all may not believe that either. But God appointed that for me to be there in order to meet him. He did not want me to be saved in the building. As simple as that, I have come to that understanding. Because he wanted to meet with me one-on-one. And when I read the book of John, glory to God, Christ himself visited me. I gave my life to him. Then and there, my eyes were open. I would often dream about myself running down a tunnel, and I see the light at the tunnel, but I would never make it to that end. On this night, which was the month of July 2086, I was carrying Latasha. I was pregnant with Latasha. I saw myself reaching that light and crossing over to the other side. I saw God open my eyes to see the spiritual ramp. I was born again then. My eyes were open where I began to see demonic spirits that were around me. I sat in the school of the Holy Ghost to, for five years, being taught by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. Just like the workbook that you guys, that we've been working from. I, di I didn't read books. I did workbooks. I, I signed up for uh, Bible study, correspondence. The more I dived into the Word of God, 
the more I was able to see, to hear. My mind was being renewed. But when the unbeliever, the carnal mind man, does not allow the Holy Spirit to teach him, he begins to lean to his own understanding. The Holy Spirit is a critical part of the Christian believer. Now let's jump to uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 and 21, with a fleshly mind. We cannot have a fleshly mind when it comes to the things of the Lord, when it comes to walking with the Lord. Okay, uh, uh, Zoe, Colossians 2, chapter 18 and verse 21, sweetie. Okay. It reads, let no one defraud you by judging you unworthy of your pride. In self-chosen loneliness and the worship of the angels, dwelling on the things which he has seen vainly puffed up by his mind set on the flesh. That was 18. This 21. Do not handle nor taste nor touch. Okay. That's dealing with the fleshly mind. Let me read. Thank you. Thank you, Zoe. Let me read that out of Colossians, the uh, Amplified. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, it said, Let no one defraud you of your prize. Let no one defraud you of your prize. Your freedom in Christ and your salvation by insisting on mocking humility and the worship of angels. Going into detail about visions he claims he has seen to justify his authority, puffed up and conceit by his unspiritual mind. I see a lot of that on Facebook. I see a whole lot of that on Facebook. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 7. Natasha, can you read that? Are you still there, sweetie? Yeah, you said Romans what? Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. And then it says, and so a person becomes an enemy of God when he is controlled by his human nature. For he does not obey God's law, and in fact he cannot obey it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, for he does not obey God's law, and in fact he cannot obey it. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Latasha. Let me read that now out of the Amplified. It says, however, you are not... When temptation comes, guys, we got to confess that. I am not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit. I am controlled by the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him 
and is not a child of God. That's pretty plain and clear. Don't you agree? If you do not have the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, abiding and dwelling in you, you are not God's. Mind you, beloved, there is a false Holy Spirit. And I'm quite some, sure some of you all have seen it and didn't know. Have you ever been to a church, particularly a Baptist church, and they get to preaching, the preacher gets to preaching and stuff, and all of a sudden you see, you see the women jumping all around and shaking their heads and people running and, oh, everybody falling out. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not act in that manner. That's all flesh. All of that is flesh. You have some in some places where people are crawling on ground like snakes and barking like dogs. That is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. Hallelujah. We still have self-control. That's when the fruit of self-control kicks in. If anything, you'll be weeping and crying before the Lord. You will fall down and worship to him, if anything, but not jerking, that jerking movement where your head is wigging, wagging, and all kind of look like it's getting ready to fall off, where people got to stand around you so you won't hurt yourself. That's not the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Glory to God. Deborah and I, we used to experience the, the falling of the Holy Spirit. And in his presence, we would both fall on the floor, prostrate, worshiping God. Glory to God. There were times that where the glory of God would come and it would just sweep over the, the people. We would all get down and worship God. That is worship. Hallelujah. The void created by the departure of the Holy Spirit was filled by an independent, religious, self-centered spirit. Let me read that again. The void created by the departure of the Holy Spirit was filled by an independent, rebellious, self-centered spirit. The spirit of disobedience, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, which reads out the Amplified, in which you once walked, each person on this line walked in disobedience. Each person on this line was independent of God. Each person on this line was rebellious. In which you once walked, you were following the ways of this world influenced by this present age. We are still being influenced in this present age. Those that are walking in the flesh, those that are being controlled by this 
self-centered spirit. In accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Satan is not in hell. He is the prince of the power of the air that is now working in the people of disobedience. Yesterday I was on YouTube, uh, uh, Facebook, and someone someone placed this 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 video. It was it was weird, y'all. They was in a parking lot. This man bent over, walking on all his two legs and his two hands. He I guess he was holding some cups in his hands. He was acting like some type of animal. I kid y'all not. They was just watching this this individual person. He was acting just like some type of animal out in the wild. Doing doing even the motions of an animal. I don't know what type of animal he was supposed to be, but he was acting that was on Facebook on Facebook's videos. Glory to God. And all of a sudden, I mean, he, I mean, this man, I'm telling y'all, it's kind of hard to stand straight up on both of your legs and your hands. That, that's difficult to do. And he went to running off. He had braids in his hair, and he was wagging his head like some type of animal. I guess he was a horse or something. I don't know. But this is what's going on in our world today. Why? Because he is being influenced by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. I would have to say that this young man was demon-possessed. He was demon-possessed. In the year 2021, beloved, we are going to manifest demon possession here in America. People talking about, well, I hope he gets better. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's going to get worse. We think we went through something in 2020. 2021 is going to be worse. That's why I emphasize it's so important that families come together. We are living in dangerous times. We are actually manifesting the end of days. We're in the birth pains. And the birth pains of a woman increases so that the child can come forth. What we're going to manifest and see in 2020 will be totally demonic. And this is why it's so important that we as a family, we need to stick together. We need to come together. Many of you all might not like that idea, but the truth is the truth. Hallelujah. We need to somehow come together as one and be in a family group as one because it's getting ready to get go down. 
Hallelujah. It's already starting. In James chapter 4, verse 5, it reads, Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lusts with envy? All of Adam's descendants who will no longer be born in the likeness and image of God, all of Adam's descendants who are born will no longer be born in the likeness and images of, image of God. Turn your, your swords to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3. Every human being that was born on this planet after Adam's fall is not created in the likeness and image of God any longer. We are of a different nature. In Genesis chapter 5 verse 3 it reads, When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own what likeness according to his image and named him Seth let me read that out the King James Version And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Adam begot children after his own likeness and his image. Hallelujah. Adam and Eve were the only two human beings that hath the likeness and image of God himself until they lost it. They would inherit both spiritual and physical death along with a sinful nature and deceitful hearts. They are not sinners by birth, by nature, and by choice. From Adam, the federal head of the race. Adam was the federal head of the race. Humanity inherited death. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. In Adam, all die. First Corinthians, go to, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 22, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22, reads out the Amplified Bible and it says, For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Those who receive him, those who receive him will be made alive. Without the light of the Holy Spirit to guide them, their fallen flesh becomes the dominant life force. 
without the light of the Holy Spirit to guide them, their fallen flesh becomes the dominant force. Before the fall, the priority and order was spirit, soul, and body. The spirit was the master, the soul, the steward, and the body, the servant. After the fall, the order was reversed. The body became the master, the soul remained the steward, and the spirit became the servant. It reversed. Hallelujah. As we see from the above diagram, Adam's sin has adversely affected his entire being, spirit, soul, and body. Subsequently, the reordering of God's divine design places the lower part of man, the flesh, in the dominant position, thereby providing a pathway, a natural susceptibility to sin. Sin, previously unnatural, becomes natural. Temptation is, is in part triggered when external stimuli, ungodly influence from the outside, connects with something inherently corrupt on the inside. This is so true. Temptation is in part triggered when external sin stimuli, ungodly influence from the outside, connects with something inherently corrupt on the inside. We must be careful as believers what we allow our eyes to see, what we allow our ears to hear. Hallelujah. We must be careful about what we see because these things can affect you. It is a stem lie. If you sit up and you watch uh, uh, TV shows and movies that have sex scenes in them, that is a stem lie. Hallelujah. It activates. It's an ungodly influence upon that flesh. All of a sudden, you think in thoughts that you should not be thinking. Because of what you're watching, what you've seen. I can say this because it has happened to me, and I quickly turn the channel. Oh, I, let's move on. Skip, skip fast forward. Mama don't need to see that. What are we listening to? Our ear gates. Most music nowadays are either degrading a woman, they're talking about sex all the time, they're talking about money all the time. We must be careful what we hear through our ear gates. For I know that in me, 
This is Paul speaking. Romans 7.18. Romans 7.18. For I know within me, in Jackie, got to make it personal. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Got to make it personal. Paul wasn't just talking about Paul. Paul was talking about every, every human being that comes into the faith. He says, for I know, I, Jackie, I know that nothing good dwelleth me that is in my flesh. Out the Amplified it says, for I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh. This flesh will cause you to go to hell. My human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity for the willingness to do good is present in me. But the doing of good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I am no longer the one doing it. That is, it is not me that acts, but the sin nature which lives in me. So I find it to be the law of my inner self. God wants to deal with the inner self. He wants to deal with your heart. That evil is present in me. Evil is present in each and every one of us. It all depends. You go back to the stem line. What is stimulating it? What are you allowing to stimulate? Hallelujah. That flesh. Uh, Romans 8, uh, 7, 21, so I find it to be the law, it is a law of my inner self that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my new nature. But I see a different law and a rule of action in the members of my body in its appetites and desires, waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is within my members. Christ come to do with the law of sin. He didn't come to do with, away with the law that most people think. He came to do away with the law of sin and death. There is a law of sin and death. When Adam disobeyed, a new law took effect. The law of sin and death. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Christ shed his blood from the Garden of Geshemin to the cross. He shed his blood that we may be saved and reconciled to God. That the law of sin and death may be broken 
off of us. This is why Christ went to the cross to rectify what Adam did in the garden. He set a whole new law in motion, and that was the law of sin and death that operate in the flesh. Hallelujah. This flesh inside of us, the corrupt, is setting off. Let me go back. Temptation is in part triggered when external stimuli, ungodly influence from the outside, connects with something inherently corrupt on the inside. Setting off a lustful response, the believer armed with spiritual understanding regarding the nature of the vulnerability caused by Adam's fall, along with the tactics of the enemy, has a distinct advantage over temptation. When we come to that understanding, we can better fight our enemies. They will, they will be quick to discern and resist the wells of the devil. Temptation to the Christian armed with spiritual understanding becomes educated. Stefan, are you still there on the line? Yeah, I'm still here. Give us a little bit of understanding how you were trained to know your enemy, how to recognize him? Uh, just by distinctive characteristics uh, from experience. You're given lessons just like we're given lessons here where people tell you, I've run through this or I've seen this or this is personally what I've gone through, so you need to look out for this. And the enemy's ever-changing, so that's why the, the intel always has to be updated. Because one day they might be wearing scarves, the next day nobody's wearing scarves and nobody's wearing any hats or, you know, things like that might change. Or you're looking for tattoos or you're looking for demeanor. Um, I mean, you can tell when someone's going to do something negative just by the way that they're walking up or the way that they're standing or, you know, facial expression. That's why they mm. say, like, 90% of communication is from bodily expressions. It's not even verbal. And the enemy acts in the same way. Lucifer acts in the same exact way. When he tempts you with temptation, it comes in little ways that don't feel natural, that don't feel right. It just sticks out to the point where you should know, you know, something's going on. Mm. And this is why it's important. Thank you, son. This is, this is why it's important that we know our enemy. Hallelujah. If we are chasing after riches and money all the time, where did you find the time to know your enemy? How he operates. What is on your menu that he can get you with? We must know the tactics of our enemy. Serving the ungodly union, as previously depicted, Adam's body now joined to his soul, also contributes to his vulnerabilities. The departure of the Holy Spirit from Adam and Eve's spirit 
rendered them spiritually dead, separated from God. As a direct result, the soul severed from the spirit joins to the body, which accounts for Old Testament verses before the second birth, where the soul and body are simultaneously united. Uh, Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Leviticus chapter 5, and it went to the wrong one. Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And it reads, if anyone sins after he hears a public adoration, solemn command to testify when he is a witness whether he has seen or otherwise known something if he fails to report it then he will bear his guilt and be held responsible or if anyone touches any ceremonially unclean thing whether the carcass of an unclean wild animal or the carcass of an unclean demonic animal domestic animal, or the carcass of unclean creeping things, even if he is unaware of it, he has become unclean and he will be guilty. And it goes on and on of those things in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, verse 13 reads out the Amplified. Please tell them that you are my sister so that, that things will go well for me for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. This is Abraham. This is Abraham. <laughs> when they entered into the land of Egypt. And we... Uh, let's go to verse verse 11. And when, he's, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, Listen, I know that you are a beautiful woman, so when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me to acquire you, but they will let you live. Please tell them that you are my sister so that things will go well for me, for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. And if you read the story, Sarai told the king, the Egyptian king, that he was a, she was Abraham's wife, uh, sister. Hallelujah. So there's a various of things that happened. That Abraham told that told her to tell a lie out of fear that he would lose his life. Psalms chapter 119. Psalms 119 and verse 25. Psalms 119 verse 25 says, My earthly life clings to the dust. Revive and refresh me according to your word, restoring the original order and priority. We're going to do a couple of his, his lessons because he has something connected to this lesson, the spiritual circumcision.
hallelujah, that is connected to this lesson so we get an understanding about spiritual circumcision. Upon salvation, the Holy Spirit reunites with man's spirit, reversing the condition. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. And this is what he is referring to, our spiritual condition. Jesus comes to reverse that condition. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only fell upon certain men and women. He did not fall upon everyone. When Christ Jesus satisfied the payment of his blood, of his death, we were reconciled back to God and we became a new creature in Christ Jesus, reversing the condition and state that we were in because of Adam. The flesh is then cut free from the soul by, by a spiritual operation called the circumcision made without hands. I want you guys to underline, uh, underline that particular scripture in your Bible and meditate upon that, that particular scripture so that you can understand you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to your flesh. That has been cut away if you truly have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Colossians, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. That's the correct scripture. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, In him... You are also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. If you recall, the covenant that God made with Abraham was circumcision of the foreskin on the male. That sealed that covenant was the circumcision of the foreskin on the male. Here, Every person that receives Christ, hallelujah, and have experienced the death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, there is a spiritual circumcision that has taken place within you. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but by the spiritual circumcisions of Christ in the stripping off of the body of the flesh, the sinful, carnal nature, having been buried with him in baptism. This is why baptism is important. Being buried in baptism with him and raised with him to a new life through your faith in the working of God has displayed when he raised Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. 
So therefore, beloved, we must have a clear understanding of who we are and what Christ has done. You have been circumcised with hands that cannot be seen, the scripture says. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You can no longer associate with the things of this world. The word of God says that if you love the world, then you are enemy of the world. That's not me saying that that's the word of God that says that. If you do not have the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside of you, then you, are not, you don't belong to God. I don't want I don't want to be like most leaders in the church that dress up sin that speak lies to you God has made his word plain and clear you that are on the line hallelujah if you have received Christ as your lord your savior and your king and that you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a circumcision took place. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12 just said that. You were circumcised. You were circumcised. Hallelujah. By the Spirit. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says to be buried in baptism is to put off, to strip off the body of the flesh. To be buried in baptism means to put off the flesh. Strip it off of you. It has been removed. Glory to God. So you are no longer a creature of this present evil world. You are no longer, hallelujah, operating and moving under the law of sin and death. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus, the word of God says. Being empowered, I'm going to read this out of a different translation. He said being empowered with all power according to the might of his glory, unto all endurance and long-suffering with joy. Okay, that's the wrong one. I'm sorry, that's Colossians. That was Colossians chapter 1. I want to go Colossians chapter 2. Okay, verse 11 and 12. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. This is spiritual circumcision, the circumcision of Christ, referring to the proper baptism which puts off the body of the flesh by the effectual virtue of the death of Christ. Hallelujah. Not made with hands. 
The circumcision that is the the putting off of the body of the flesh was not made with hands. It was accomplished by the death of Christ and is applied, executed, and carried out by the powerful spirit, the Holy Spirit. Putting off of the body of the flesh. Putting off here means to strip off something. As one would strip off clothes. As you come home from work or whatever, you take your clothes off so you can put some new ones on. You are stripping off. This is what happened to us in the spirit. That Holy Spirit stripped off. Hallelujah. That nature, we were circumcised, putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ, buried together with him in baptism. To be buried in baptism was to put off when, when, <clears throat> when you, hallelujah, when you were buried in baptism, you died to self. You experience Christ's death. Burial and resurrection. When you came up out of the water, you were a new creature in Christ Jesus. He said, buried together with him in baptism, in which also you were raised together with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. With all thy getting, beloved, get understanding, the book of wisdom says in Proverbs. Understand what took place in the garden, what Christ has done for us, that we may not walk ignorantly in the things of God, Study to sow yourself approved. We we talked about that. Hallelujah. Serving the unholy union as previously depicted, Adam's body now joined to his soul also contributes to his vulnerabilities. So Adam, which was the son of God, Luke chapter 3, verse 38, created to be in the king over God's creation is now spiritually dead, separated from God, and attached to an earthly body of corruption and dying flesh. Had not God, in his mercy, intervened by providing temporal atonement through the shed blood of animals? My son, Stefan, and I, we was talking about that. He was like, why would God kill the animals? And woo, woo, woo. Because without blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So God had to make a substitute that would cover their sin until the real Lamb of God came on the scene. Even when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, that was, <clears throat> that was, a foreshadow of Christ the Messiah, God's Son, coming 
to be that sacrifice for the world and mankind. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So God, in his mercy, intervened by providing temporal atonement, temporal atonement, through the shed blood of animals and future permanent atonement through the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Jesus was the permanent atonement for our sins. Adam and all his descendants would have to be etern would have to have been eternally doomed if God did not provide a, subst a substitute. We would have no hope, beloved. There would be no hope for us. We would be completely doomed. The nature of Adam's relationship with God after the fall. As we have seen before, the fall, Adam was in a state of innocence. His spirit was joined to God's spirit. Therefore, fellowship with God was intimate and unobstructed. After Adam sinned, all that changed, and in a split second, his spirit was severed from the Holy Spirit. From that point on, Adam and Eve were separated from God. They no longer desired to walk with God and hid from him. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. This act of disobedience ended what is referred to as the dispensation of innocence and began the dispensation of conscience. The Lord then demonstrated his mercy and love for Adam and Eve by shedding the blood of innocent animals to cover their sin and nakedness. Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. Jesus was crucified he was crucified from the foundations of the world in these two animals that God had to sacrifice. After the fall God established a substitutionary system temporary atonement Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 through 4 enabling his fallen creations to have conditional fellowship with him without the shedding of blood there is no fellowship with God during the probationary dispensation which we are now in the Spirit of God spoke directly to man's conscience once again providing an opportunity for obedience man could be right with God if he so desired unfortunately only a small minority of choose to submit and walk with God Genesis chapter 5 verse 23 and Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 it wasn't long before man manifested his inherited sin nature when Cain rose up against his brother Abel and slew him. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 sums up the result of man's opportunity to lead by his conscience. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, as it is today, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, as it is today. And it, it, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart, 
And the Lord said, I will destroy man from whom I created from the face of the earth. The king of glory is returning for the body. Jesus is returning for the church. This We are being right right now. Jesus could come any time. Christ said that in the last days it would be as it was in the days of Noah. People don't believe the coronavirus. Just like when Noah preached for a thousand years, them people did not believe Noah until the rain started to fall. God put Noah and his family in the ark. The door was sealed and it was over. It was a done deal. Believe now. The inward reality, this manifestation, this magnificent condition is the inborn reality. Malignant, I'm sorry, malignant condition is the inborn reality which plagues all Adam's descendants whom the word of God describes lost. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. All those that are not in Christ Jesus in this world today that you see, if they don't have Christ, if they're not born again and have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of them, they are lost. They are blinded. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The God of this world has blinded them from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And it reads out the Amplified. Among them, the God of this world, Satan. Satan is the God of this worldly system. He is the God of this world. He is the God of, the, of traditions. He is the God that has led humanity down the hill to destruction. He is the God of darkness has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They are dead. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you, you are are dead according to Romans chapter 5 verse 10 which read trying to learn by experience what is pleasing to the Lord I'm sorry Romans chapter Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins in which you once walked were following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age and according with the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purpose of God. All this crime, murder, mayhem, Chaos is because of the disobedience, because Satan has blinded their minds. Once again, you can still believe in Christ and still be an unbeliever. <coughs> you can still know Christ and be an unbeliever. We cannot pick and choose, hallelujah, out of the word of God, what we will receive and what we will not receive. 
Glory to God. We are enemies, Romans 5, 5 verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain having been reconciled that we be saved from the consequences of sin by his life, that is, we will be saved because Christ lives today. Christ lives today. He is no longer a baby. He is no longer on the cross. Christ is sitting on the right hand of God, on the majesty on high in heaven. He is no longer on the cross. Glory to God. And the king of glory will return, having, the, uh, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. You continue on in sin and the Holy Spirit keeps nudging you. God will give you over to a reprobated mind. The, the people that are lost in the world, their minds have been darkened. Their understanding have been darkened. And we're getting ready to see a lot of that in 2021. In our unregenerated state, blindness to the interworkings of sin in the flesh was natural. However, now that we are saved, ignorance concerning the interstruggle is no longer normal, nor is it acceptable to the Lord. Let me say that again. Now that we are saved, ignorance concerning the inter-struggle is no longer normal, nor is it acceptable to the Lord. Every child of God is obligated to put off concerning the former conversation, manner of living, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24. We are obligated to take off and to put on Christ. We have something we must do. Learning doctrinal truth is like building a structure. If the foundation is off, the whole building will be off. Sound doctrine begins with a, a sound interpretation of the fundamentals. Only then can we follow God's order and sequence. If the foundation is off just a little bit, the whole building is going to be off. We must start with the little things. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Isaiah 28 and verse 10. Now that we have experienced the fundamental truths regarding the total effects of the fall, spirit, soul, and body, we can proceed to analyze the details of salvation concerning the same. A complete understanding of salvation and the resulting reversal of the effects of Adam's sin 
spirit, soul, and body made possible by the death, burial, and resurrection of the last Adam, Jesus, the first Adam, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will provide critical insight, revealing the initial truths necessary to overcome our enemies and walk in newness of life. Ignorance or neglect regarding the life-changing doctrines associated with spiritual regeneration is a major component contributing to carnality within the body of Christ past and present. Today, beloved, your ears have received and heard truth. God wants to restore Eden. He wants to restore his image and his likeness in us. We are being made and transformed into the image of Christ. Glory to God. Does anyone have any questions that they may have not understood or would like clarity on? The lines are open now. No. No. You answered the question I had about the verse, like pretty much right after I had it. So, okay. I don't know. What verse was that? Share, share with the class. That was the one that uh, I was reading, where it was saying that man didn't accept, you know, the gifts and things like that, pretty much because we've been rejecting it and ignorant to it. Um, okay. And then we start to accept and understand that there's more out there for us to do instead of just you know, dwelling on these fleshly temptations, then that's when the spiritual um, can help take over and guide you on what you really should be doing. Amen. The thing we must, as believers in Christ, keep our focus on the kingdom of God. I don't know how many times I can say that, that this is not our home. This is simply not a home. And, and when you truly have that desire in your heart to follow after God and be obedient, do his will, you will lose friends. You will lose friends when you decide you want, okay, God, I want to follow completely after you. I want to do what you have commanded for us to do in your word from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you are going to lose friends. I am no longer going to do traditions that was handed down to me as a child. My eyes have been opened to truth, and I'm going to follow you. Jesus said in the last day when he returned, Many are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord, haven't I cast out demons in your name? Haven't I did this? He was talking to the church, y'all. He wasn't talking to the laws. He said, depart from me, you who do iniquity. Iniquity is sin. 
Sin is disobedience. Many are called to the church, but few are chosen. Will you be that few? See, because that few is going to walk alone. That few will lose friends and family. You will have all kind of things coming up against you when you make that conscious decision from the heart to follow God no matter what. The world will hate you. People will hate you. You won't feel, you won't fit in to the way they do things. You, you, you just won't feel fit in. You won't feel comfortable even being around it because you're different. The body of believers is supposed to be different from the world, completely different, set apart from the world. But the church have allowed the world, the system of the world, to come into the church. Their, their customs, their dress styles, how they, how they act, their attitude, everything have literally corrupted the church. But those that have been chosen by God to walk that narrow path, will face opposition. Do not compromise with the devil. I compromised, and I lost a lot because I compromised, because I believed a lie. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord God, for today, Father. We thank you for your spirit that comes to teach us truth of what Christ Jesus done on Calvary for us. He became that perfect lamb that was sacrificed from the foundations of the world when you, Father, had to slay the two lambs to cover our father, our forefather sins. Christ became that one lamb that satisfied you when he shed his blood. We thank you, Father, that through your power you raised him up from the dead. And he now sits in glory with you that there is no other name above heaven whereby men can be saved, except through the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. We thank you, Father, for all that you have done and yet going to do for us. We thank you, Father, that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things, the old spiritual state have passed away. Father, we have been delivered from the law of sin and death because of what Christ has done. We no longer have to be carnal Christians. We no longer have to walk in the flesh because you have given us power through your Holy Spirit to live the way that you called us to live. We thank you, Yahweh, 
that we are learning more about you. Father, set our hearts on fire. Give us a desire to really want to know you. Give us a desire to really want to seek you, Lord, the deep things of you, and no longer to receive the doctrines of men, to receive the, doc the, the false teachings of demons and devils, Lord, but that we will be touched by your Holy Spirit. Touch us, O oh Father, throughout this week. Pour your grace upon us, O oh Father, throughout this week. Give us strength, O oh Father, to overcome the oppositions that will come our way this week. For your grace is sufficient. Thank you, Yahweh. Thank you, Father. In Yeshua HaMashiach's name we pray. Amen. Well, hello. Um